0: HD Insights podcast is brought to you by the Huntington Study Group. The Huntington Study Group is a nonprofit research organization dedicated to conducting clinical research in HD and providing critical training on HD to healthcare professionals. Funding for this podcast is made possible through the generous support of listeners like you and sponsorship grants from organizations like Genentech, Teva Pharmaceuticals, Neurocrine Biosciences, Unicure. Vasinex and Wave Life Sciences.
1: Hello and welcome to the HD Insights Podcast. Thank you for joining me today. As always, I'm Kevin Gregory, Director of Education, Communication, and Outreach at the Huntington Study Group. On this episode, I spoke with Katie Jackson, President and CEO of Help for HD, a grassroots patient advocacy organization and a nonprofit. Katie's personal story is one of determination and hope that has helped drive the impact that Help for HD provides. Her story made for a powerfully moving conversation that we're so incredibly fortunate to be able to share with you. And after that, Katie also talked more about upcoming Help for HD events, such as their virtual hype sessions in July and August, and the training resources they provide to aid first responders or law enforcement who may encounter someone with HD. So without further delay, here's my conversation with Katie Jackson. Katie, thank you so much for joining us on the HD Insights podcast. I'm sorry we haven't uh, been able to have you on sooner, but it's it's a, a pleasure to talk with you, and, and really a privilege to have you on with us.
2: Well, thank you so much for having me, and I'm looking forward to it.
1: Awesome. Well, let's start with with your story. I mean, you have a very compelling story, and I you know I know a lot of people. Um, are familiar with with the work that Help for HD uh, does, but your story in particular you you have a unique story as far as how you got involved with this and and your family connection to Huntington disease. Let's start there. How, um, tell us about you know what your experience was um, with HD, uh, how you. Learned about it, um, you know how you really initially got involved in this whole community?
2: Yeah, so um I've known my husband my my whole life. We met when we were very young. We lived in the East Bay Area of California, and my best friend um, and her and his best friend were cousins. So it automatically kind of brought our group together um that was back when you would like run around all night and play and, and you were safe so that's what we did and uh we became best of friends and um we started dating in college and uh we had our first baby Madison um when we were very young and then we got married and then we had Cooper soon after and uh he was a sheriff for Sacramento County and I was working as a hairstylist at the time and we received a call that his biological father had passed away, and um, he was estranged from his father. He hadn't seen his father since he was six years old. Was the last time they had actually um, been in contact with each other, and it was it was quite um, a horrible experience. He, he his mother had to actually call the sheriff and find my husband, who was uh, stolen, kind of. And um, once that happened, my mother-in-law instantly moved up to Northern California um, to get away kind of and start a new life. And so she did with my husband and his brother at the time, that's from a different father. And that's when we met in the Bay Area when we were young. And so we got a, soap back, sorry. we got a call from um, a family member. They somehow found us through another family member that his father had passed away. And he had to sign papers at the, at the funeral home. And my husband was actually very uncomfortable with that, but he was next to Ken. So we drove to the funeral home and, and uh, we found out through obviously documents and talking to the people there that his father died of something called Huntington's disease. So we came home and of course, I did the worst possible thing I could have done is I went on Google and started searching. And I was terrified because at that point, I realized not only my husband was at risk, but we also now had children at risk if my husband, in fact, tested positive. Um, my husband, right off the bat, wanted to be tested. So he did. He went right off, right. We went to our primary care doctor. He, Our primary care doctor typed in, was looking, searching for the code to test for Huntington's because he had never tested anyone before. We didn't go through genetic counseling. We didn't do any of that. He typed a code in. He sent us down to the lab, which was down the hall, and my husband's uh, blood was drawn. So it was literally that fast of a process Um, and with no real safeguards in place, nothing. We just went in. Um, A couple days later, I think it was probably around seven or eight days later, my husband uh, was at a funeral of a fallen officer and um, I got the call from the doctor that his test results were in and he signed that they could give me the results. Um, I don't remember him doing that, but I guess he did because they told me that he had tested positive. For Huntington's disease with a CAG count of 49. And um, most listeners in, on this show would know that's a very high CAG. Um, not juvenile, but, but very high. And um, I actually didn't know that at the time. It was just a number to me. Um, but I had to go pick him up from a funeral to tell him that he, in fact, did test positive for, for Huntington's disease. I and um, most people know I'm kind of a fighter. I'm feisty. My brother has cystic fibrosis. I know how to fight. Um, I've watched my mother and my father do it their whole life. So I instantly got on the phone and started calling around and um, we ended up with a neurologist at first. It was a horrible experience. He told my husband he was going to die. There's nothing they could do for him. Go home, live life the best you can and call us when you get some depression. It was terrible. Um, Luckily, I I wasn't going to take that for an answer. I actually uh, had some words leaving that office. I think back today about how young and feisty I was. Um, We wouldn't have been invited back to that office, even if we liked the neurologist after I was done. But um, we did end up finding an amazing, amazing place that we got to call home. And that was, we found the HGSA Center of Excellence at UC Davis, California. And from the second I called and got Terry Temkin on the phone, I instantly um, felt like I found a place where I was going to find support, and that's exactly what, what we got the second we were there. I love the UC Davis team. Um, I owe them so much, and, and they will always have a special place uh, with me for all that they did for us for so many years up until my husband's final days. Um, so my husband did pass away on August 25th um, after a very long battle with HD. Uh so but you know, one thing I will say is right off the bat, UC Davis got us involved in research. And I am so thankful for that. Um, really on our first appointment, Dr. Wheelock and Terry uh Terry Tempkins started talking to us about clinical trials. They were talking to us about CoQ ten, they were talking to us about creatine. Um And some observational studies at that time and right away they got us involved in research and I think that's so important um, to get involved right away if you can, because it really did give us a little power in a very powerless situation that we were living in. Um, So we instantly, you know, he was enrolled in a clinical trial within the first, you know, two weeks of us going to UC Davis for the first time. So he was involved in in seven clinical trials and studies. My children are, have been involved in observational studies and, at Iowa, which I'm a huge supporter of that study and that team. They're amazing. Um, so we have been kind of a research-focused family from the very beginning, So, and it's helped us. I think it really truly helped us um, come together and and fight as much as we, we could. Um, we, we actually took it a step further. We got really involved. Um, I remember the day that I found out that there was, Uh, that children could get Huntington's disease, I I didn't realize there was a juvenile form of Huntington's. And um, it terrified me even more, having children at risk. And um, I decided that I really wanted to fight for the children. Something really touched me about the children more than anything. And um, I got to meet a couple of children with uh, juvenile Huntington's disease at a couple conferences that I attended. And I instantly became friends and loved them and, and wanted to fight for them. So we, we actually hosted the first ever juvenile Huntington's disease uh, walk specifically for juvenile Huntington's disease um, in 2015. And that helped to fund um, the UC Davis uh, lab bench under the amazing Dr. Jan Nolte and Kyle Fink, um, who everyone knows uh, that they started uh, doing juvenile Huntington's disease research at UC Davis. So, uh, and then we went and talked to the FDA. My husband was an amazing voice. Um, we went and talked to government agencies. We spoke in front of CERM uh, the day Dr. Jan Nolta got her amazing grant to start pre Um, You know, that trial obviously didn't go through to the end, but what they found out through that trial and all that they learned and all we were involved, my husband was actually patient number one in that trial and pre Um, And we talked to CERM uh, and fought for that that funding. And I know the research behind that is what got that grant because Jan Nolta and her team are brilliant. And that's what got that grant. But I do have to say that standing up and using your voice as an HD family and telling your story is so important. And we learned that when we talked to CERN, my husband got up and, and talked about how he's going to miss soccer games with my daughter. And he's going to miss my daughter's graduation from high school, which he did. My My daughter graduated this year. Um, how he's going to miss weddings and how he wanted to fight to be able to be a part of his children's life and to fight for his children's life. And that touched, we looked up in the whole entire uh, room, were were crying. These are scientific investigators and, and peer review you know teams, and they are bawling. And telling that story brought a human component to that room that was so important in making that decision to fund that incredibly important um, science. So and then we learned that again when we flew to the FDA and we told the FDA our stories. And I was very um, honored to be patient one on panel one during that Padusa meeting. And I was able to uh, to tell our story and really articulate the urgent need for new therapies and treatments. And I think that's the strongest thing I can say to the HD community is, is whenever we talk is we need to use our voice and we need to tell our stories because that is truly where impact lies. No one knows what it's like to live with HD except for us. No one knows what it's like to have a child at risk and look them in the eyes and feel the fear that you fear except for us. So we are the, we are the storytellers because it's our story. And, and um, we need people to understand. So we continue to get funding and we continue to get help um, in finding a possible therapy or treatment for our families in the future.
1: Absolutely. And I, I mean, you are a tireless fighter in, in this effort. I have to ask you, like, has, has it, is that what has given you strength to, you know, to persevere? Have there, have there been moments where you felt overwhelmed from the, from initially learning about the, your husband's diagnosis? Was there any point in time where you just felt kind of adrift and, and not knowing what to do? Or did you just really channel that that drive into, you know, steering you in a direction and, and moving forward with this fight?
2: Yeah, yeah, that's a really good question. And, and I, I went through it at the end of my husband's life. I, um, you know, I fought so hard for Mike and, and Mike wasn't my husband, he was my best friend. And we had been best friends since we were kids. And I mean, he was my husband, but that he, but above that, he was my best friend. And we, we had fought together for so long. And when he was put on hospice, I remember calling my, my, I'm very lucky that I have a tribe behind me. I have tons of HD friends and, um, and that I call my HD family that I can call on anytime, day or night. And I remember calling them and, and just bawling and crying and saying, I feel so defeated. I lost because this had become my whole identity was to fight for him and to save him. And I, I felt like I was defeated. I had lost the battle and that's the, the most amazing thing about our community is we can pull each other back in and say, "No, this fight was this fight was meant to be. This is what we've learned." And Terry Temkin, Katrina Hamill, Sharon Thompson, Vicki Owen—I mean, I could go on and on um, with the names of my friends that that brought me back and said, "You know, this is this wasn't about you know you're not defeated." and you still have a fight ahead of you. And I did take a little bit of a break and I had to take care of Mike. I was there you know, three days a week um, caring for him all day. And then my mother-in-law was there two days a week. Um, He got really sleepy at the end. So two days a week, we let him sleep because us being there was pretty overwhelming for him. Um, But so I took a lot of time off just to focus on him at the end of his life. And then when he passed, I took a little bit of a break to, to grieve, um, a little, little break. And, um, and then I looked at my children and, and they're at risk. And so the fight continues on. So I, you know, now I'm fueled by them and, um, and I can't, I can't watch them go through what their father had to go through. So I will fight with my last breath to make sure that that doesn't happen. and. Um, and so now I'm refueled again um, with now just a different focus.
1: Yeah, talk talk about that. I mean, I know you know any parent would happily you know give their own life for their their child. So what has it been like for them? How how have they grown up? I know you mentioned your daughter um, just graduated. What has it been like for her and and the conversations you've had and and how they've you said they've been involved with observational studies now what what has been the impact on on their lives growing up
2: mm-hmm. well you know it's I, I think um we we have the the typical hd story right um we i talk to friends all around and and we've all kind of go through this same same process that my kids um obviously are very scared of huntington's disease they know they're at risk um and they saw that what their father went through um they were involved in everything and i and i was very i think one thing that is the most important is never to lie to your kids and i was given that advice very early on um in our hd journey by some hd friends of mine uh friends uh caregiver friends of mine that don't lie to your children because at the very end they're going to need to trust you because you're going to be giving them some really hard information and they need to know you're telling them the truth and i took that advice, and I lived by that advice, and that was very helpful. I never have lied to my children about Huntington's disease. They've always known they've been at risk. It was very age-appropriate talks that we had. Um, I've had talks with my children about guilt and grief, and I've had talks with my children about hospice and what that means. and. Um, what you know kind of life is about when you're living in an hd family and i've talked to my kids about ivf D we've talked about how they can't have children um without a science being involved and how i will i will support and pay for that but this is the end of the line this is our hd journey is done i will make sure of that um in our family uh but for now yeah we've been very open so i think being very open and talking about it but it has impacted their lives um i think the worst part was when Mike was still at home and we were dealing with a lot of falls. Um, I had come home from the grocery store one day and he was basically drowning in the pool. I, I had walked out just in time and um, I pulled him out of the pool. He had decided to go swimming, which I don't know why he did, but he decided he wanted to go swimming. Um, and my kids witnessed this. My kids had witnessed cracked tiles on the floor from him falling, um, holes in the wall, toilets brought up from you know from him rocking back and forth on him and then doing the the you know chamber or whatever so they witnessed a lot of really hard things at in the home before we we placed him and um my my son went into an IEP I thought for sure he had juvenile Huntington's disease he went, he went all the way back in school um he he actually has now gone he doesn't even have an IEP now um he had so much anxiety and fear he couldn't focus on school um so he dropped back like grade levels and he wouldn't even he didn't want anything to do with school because he wanted to be with his dad he wanted to watch his dad and he was constantly scared my oldest daughter was having panic attacks she would i have to put her apple watch on her and watch her heartbeat race um because she was constantly nervous um about what was going on with her dad so once um we placed mike things got better as far as the kids were concerned, because they weren't constantly living in fear on what would happen to their dad in the home, um, in front of them. And Mike actually got a little bit better, believe it or not. Um, the house, the house was overwhelming for him. We had three very young kids. They were in theater, they were in soccer, they were in, you know, school, they were in all these different activities. And he was overwhelmed by all that. And, um, and when we were able to, uh, when we finally found a place, we placed him in a beautiful facility on a lake and he had a lake view and a, and a, um, uh, a balcony going off to look at the water. And we would we would sit there and we would tell stories and we would laugh and we would watch movies together. Like I said, we were there three days a week. Um, and that really helped uh, the kids, I think, not living in that constant fear and just being able to go enjoy their dad for the last couple of years obviously, the last couple of months were horrific. Um, and they actually stopped visiting their dad. It was so bad. Um, what my poor husband had to go through at the end of life, his his end of life was not pleasant um, at all. Um, but but yeah, so it's definitely impacted them. But they are resilient as children are. And they are very strong because they are advocates themselves. And they love, you know, HDO. They love Cat Martin. They love Chandler. They love, they, they love their HD community. They're very lucky. They have a lot of people watching over them. And and calling them and emailing them and actually coming to see them all the time uh, from the HD community. So she, they're very supported and they're very loved and um, and they're fighters. They'll, 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 you know, they'll continue to fight by my side. But they are definitely, um, it's definitely had a huge impact in their life.
1: Well that that's awesome to hear about the resilience and it's a consistent theme that we've heard, you know, even on this series about, you know, being honest with with your kids and, you know, don't try and mm-hmm. and hide the truth from them because they do they will need to to lean on you for for advice. The, Katie, the, the other thing I want to ask you too is, you know, advice that you can share. You know, you've you've seen the whole life cycle. Now you've experienced it from, you know, the caregiver's perspective essentially. What advice, you know, do you give people, would you give people or do you give people now that are in a similar similar situation, you know, a spouse serving as mm-hmm. caregiver or, you know, in, in your case, probably children also helping as caregivers? What are the, you know, what are the things that they really have to consider or even, you know, start to plan ahead for?
0: Mm hmm.
2: Yeah, I think that, I think that one is get in, get involved. That's always my biggest thing is get involved in, and meet your HD community because they are the strongest, most supportive community you will ever meet. You can get on the phone and you don't even have to tell them what's wrong. They know. So I think that's the biggest thing is connect with your HD community. Um, and because they're going to be one of your biggest supports through this whole process, um, just because they live it and they know what you're going through. Um, I think, like I said, getting involved in clinical trials is important because it empowers you and getting and using your voice and tell your story and continue news, uh, news articles, write letters, do whatever you can do to tell your story and use your voice. Um, I think as far as your children go, to be honest, be open and always give them a safe place to talk. Um, I know that, like, I remember my son asking me, is dad going to die? And I had to tell him, yes, he's going to die very soon. And so let's talk about that. So always give them a safe place. And sometimes your kids may not want it. They may not open that conversation. They're waiting for you to say, let's talk about that because they don't want to impact you. Right. Um, they're watching over you too. So, um, always open communication and giving your kids a safe place. I think not lying is very important. I'm so transparent with my, my children. They know everything. They knew every step I made along the way. Um, and one thing that I think that I advocate for a lot is that, um, Everyone in this journey is going to feel guilt about what they have done and decisions they have made. I let my, my husband or my spouse live too long. I think I, I killed them too soon with the medic, upping the medications. I placed my husband. I shouldn't have, I didn't place my husband and I don't think he got the proper care. I'm using husband, but you know what I mean in in general, because that's obviously my story. But um, every single person in this HD community I have talked to over the many, many years I've, I've, um, been a leader of Health for HD International, is the same story is true that everyone walks away feeling guilt and everyone feels guilty about every single decision they make, especially hospice placement, um, at risk children, lots of guilt with at risk children. Um, and my, my answer to that is we, we're human and we're doing the best we can. And Huntington's disease is a very hard, hard journey to navigate, incredibly hard. It's incredibly long. And it's a hard road. And I I have wives call me upset because they yelled at their husband and they feel so guilty after. You're human. We're human beings. And so, you know, just always know you're doing the best you can for your loved one. And you're not going to be perfect through this journey. You're not. It's no no one can last 20 years and be perfect. You can't. And so if mistakes are made along the way, forgive yourself because we're all just trying to survive. And no one knows until you've tried to navigate through an HD journey, how incredibly hard it is. It is. And so that is my biggest thing is forgive yourself and no mistakes will be made and that's okay. You're doing the best you can.
1: Yeah, that's really powerful advice. And, and you know, I appreciate you being so open about your story and your experiences.
0: We'll return to the interview on the HD Insights podcast in a moment. We hope that you're enjoying this episode. As a nonprofit organization, the Huntington Study Group relies on the generous support from the community and listeners like you to continue bringing you in-depth content on HD, like this podcast series. If you like what you're hearing and are interested in supporting HD Insights through a grant or donation, please contact us through our email address, info at hsglimited.org, or by calling toll-free at 1-800-487-7671. We greatly appreciate your support. And now, back to our episode.
1: Wanna, Katie, I want to switch gears now and, and talk uh, a little bit with you about Help for HD and, and the work you're doing there. So, again, for the people yeah. that aren't as uh, aren't familiar with the organization, can you uh, tell us a little bit about the mission and, and, and goals of Help for HD?
2: Yeah, I, I Help for HD is um, kind of become like. Just our lives, for those of us who work for it. it's it's an amazing organization. It's a grassroots organization started by families. It started in two thousand and ten, and it was started by um, Melissa Biliardi and it started as support groups. And then she went in and she started this radio show um to help connect the community and and bring information to the community for the lack of there was like a big gap, obviously, in communication, especially for people that weren't near a center of excellence or weren't getting expert care. So um, she started that, and we we kind of started as this little organization, and now we've grown into a very large organization that has lots of programs and projects, but all of them have been thought up and um, created and, and ran by Huntington's Disease Families, and I think that's kind of special because People always always talk about advisory boards, and I say, oh, I I said I have this great advisory board. It's it's everyone on my board. You know, I I I can call and say, you know, what you know, what do you think? Oh, well, my husband when I did this, or my child. We have um, uh, mothers that their children have passive JHD on our board. We have you know um, uh, at risk that tested positive uh, negative, and so we we it's really cool working with families and that holding tight to that grassroots. kind of that we started on of families coming together and just trying to fill some of the gaps that exist um, out there for Huntington's disease. So it started as with a radio show, um, and we're really excited. Um, Help for HD Live is getting a facelift right now. We're going to have new intros and outros and um, a whole bunch of new kind of topics and, and different things that this virtual world we're living in has kind of given us some time to do some facelifts on some of our programs. So that's exciting for us. Um, so yeah, it started with just a radio show and now we have so many projects and programs. I, I can kind of do a quick overview for you. Um, there's a lot of them, so I won't spend too much detail on on them or we'll be here forever. I definitely
1: did want to ask you, and, and I'm, I'm wondering if this, you know, uh, this is a focus because of, you know, your, your husband's, um, mm-hmm. career and profession, but I, I know Help for HD does mm-hmm. a lot of work with first responders and, and helping mm-hmm. train law enforcement officials, um, on Huntington's disease. Uh, can you talk about that a little bit?
2: Yeah, for sure. We actually started that, um, project after Jeffrey Bang, the Jeffrey Bang story kind of went viral, um, And we, the community was upset and they wanted change. They wanted awareness. They wanted first responders to understand Huntington's better. So this didn't happen um, again, which we obviously know it continues to happen. Um, But we decided at that point that we needed to come together and do something. So we actually fundraised individually uh, to go to the IACP, which is the international chief of police meeting. It's an international uh, meeting. There's like, there's, like ten thousand officers, and we had a booth, and we paid families literally paid from their own pocket to have this booth, and we sat for three days and um, and educated officers about Huntington's disease. I actually didn't attend that first meeting, but the first group of people that attended it, they did an awesome job, and um, it was really it was really cool to have a booth. So we decided at that point, well, let's keep going and let's make let's make this a whole program. So that's when we started um, Huntington's disease law enforcement in a flash, education in a flash, and it's a flash drive. The flash drives have publications, brochures um, explaining Huntington's disease, but it also has videos. And I think this is where it is the most, where we hold it has the most power, is that it's videos of families living with Huntington's disease. So we do have experts speaking on this. Um, you know, Vicky Wheelock, Dr. Vicki Wheelock speaks on this. Uh, video, and so uh, Terry Tempkins speaks on the EMT version, but uh, there's a lot of families uh, at different ages, different races, female, uh, male, female, to really show that Huntington's disease is not a one-size-fits-all. Um, you're, they can contact um, people that are very young or people who are older. Um, it shows the slurred speech. It shows the impaired gait. It shows uh, the symptoms of Huntington's disease. It shows Korea um, and what may happen. It even shows the cognitive impairment. We actually ask people with Huntington's disease some questions and we show how long it takes for them to process and be able to answer back. Um, so we we definitely did, I think the team did a really good job creating this video because it definitely tells a story. Um, and then we decided to take it a step further and focus on EMT and firefighters because they will be on the first, the first on the scene that. Um, not more law enforcement, but more medical. So we talked about choking. We talked about um, it's a we call it a little toolkit for a first responder that comes on an emergency um, with someone living with Huntington's disease. And we to remember these people are coming in our home, um, you know, and our loved ones are. It's going to be a, a crisis situation a lot of the time. So it's nice to have these tools and these publications. Um, Hopefully we reach them before that happens, but sometimes it's during the crisis. So these are free to the Huntington's community. This flash drive, these publications, you know, these are all, this is all sponsored by Teva Pharmaceuticals and Griffin Foundation. This is free to you. So please let us know. And I always say, we always say teach your law enforcement and your first responders before the crisis happens. So take this information, take it to your local law enforcement, take it to your fire department, take it and teach them. And they're very, very appreciative. Um, We hear across a kind of across the board that they're thankful for this information. And a lot of them want to know where you live um, in case they do get a call. So they know that someone with Huntington uh, lives in the home and they're going to need more support. So I always say, utilize this program, please. It's free to you, and go to your lo- local law enforcement and fire and teach them before the crisis happens, um, and you'd be shocked. Sometimes I'll put it in their advanced officer training uh, for their whole department, and this has happened numerous times that we are in we are in numerous. Um, advanced officer trainings for recruits and also their yearly updates. Uh, they play this video. We actually have some departments that make it mandatory for them to click and watch this video and the depart- it shows the department that the um, officer has watched it all the way through. So that's really exciting when that happens for us.
1: Oh, that's great. I mean, I, I have to imagine there's, you know, when the officers or first responders, you know, see this training for the first time, there, there's some sort of reflection back on past events wondering, you know, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. wait a minute, was this situation not what I thought it was at the time? What what are some of the stories that you've gotten um, in reactions like that?
2: Well, we get, we actually get a lot. And we, you know, the one thing that we we do get a lot is that um, they knew of someone that lived with Huntington's disease. For instance, there's one department, she's homeless, And um, they do know that she had something wrong, but she kept saying Huntington's disease and they didn't know what it meant. And so we were able to help support um, her through education to them that she does have Huntington's disease and this is how um, she's going to need different support. And um, so that was we always like when we hear that they actually are in contact with someone still and they're able to support them now um, in the right way. Um, but, you know, I, I one thing I, I want to say that I forgot is that with this whole thing going virtual, our world, um, typically we do go to law enforcement um, events every year and we exhibit. Uh, this year we were going to the uh, Sheriff's National Association meeting, and we were going to Ohio, um, and there was a couple other local, a lot of local training we are doing. Those have all been canceled. So, we are the kind that we kind of people that if we have funds, we're going to call and see if we could switch them over to something else that will um, help our community. So, we were actually very excited to say that the funds were um, approved to move elsewhere. Um, So, we had to cancel these shows. And what we did is we've offered two new programs one was um, an awareness sticker and it and these are all free to the community and the sticker um, can go it's a decal for your car Uh, but you can also a lot of people are putting it on their windows in their homes and stuff and the sticker reads individual with Huntington's disease on board and it says in case of emergency please be aware that individual may not be able to speak or articulate pain or injury may not be aware of the situation may be resistant to any help may appear intoxicated uh, so it just gives some, a little blurb about Huntington's disease. It's not a lot, but it's enough for the first responder to know that someone's in the car uh, with Huntington's that will need more support or someone's in the home. So these stickers went out to families for free. Uh, we sent out hundreds of stickers, So um, and we've given people multiple so they can have them on their cars if they have multiple cars and also their home. Another thing we launched was our medical ID cards this year. Um, once again, they were completely funded and they're free. And these cards on one side say, you know, I have Huntington's disease. I may appear intoxicated due to my symptoms. I may have all of these symptoms. And it talks about movement, impaired gait, delayed response, third speech, trouble following direction, increased agitation or anxiety. And then it gives um, uh, information for the caregiver to be called. And on the back, it does talk about Huntington's disease being a fatal brain uh, disease um, that impairs thought. The movement behavior, and then um, it has our website if they need more information, um, which is all you know. Our website is full of information for uh, first responders or uh, first responders in general. So those are two programs we have launched this year that are free to the HD community, um, and we send you what you need.
1: That's fantastic. And then you also, of course, do the um, the weekly radio show um what w- what mm. was that like for you getting getting involved for the first time that was that, that your first experience uh, you know hosting that that kind of uh uh live event
2: well my first my first actual uh uh go at help for hd live was i was a guest so um i was a guest back in 2012 so uh and i was actually hosted by melissa biliardi so she really set the tone on on Uh, Help for HD Live. So going in and and being the host of Help for HD Live was was kind of easy because we had been working together with Help for HD Live for so long and I had been a guest so I knew what it was like to be a guest and um, I had done. But yeah, the first time hosting I guess I would say it's probably a little nerve-wracking. I still to this day kind of get sometimes if it's a certain type of show I'll I'll get a little nervous and then once we start going, we go. Um, but these these are live shows that we'll be switching over uh, to a lot of pre-records here soon. But live shows are very uh, intimidating because you sometimes don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's been great though. I mean, we have had some historic shows. I mean, Nancy Wexler... Um, you know, we've had some, I mean, we have almost 500 shows available now, because we've been going for so long, you know, we're available on Spotify and iHeartRadio and iTunes and um, all these different places. And it's it's great to see that it's, it's a library of information. Um, if you go through, it is overwhelming. I always tell people when they first go to the radio show archives, I'm like, you're going to be a little overwhelmed when you see 500 options for you to listen to. But we've tried really hard to make the titles um, easy to find. So if you're looking for something like for cognitive impairment or psychiatric behaviors or suicide or hypersexuality or, you know, any of these topics that you would just type them in and then the show would come up. So they're they're a little bit easier to search. We try our hardest for that. But if anyone has any questions, if we've done a show on a certain topic, I usually we can find it for you. Because chances are we have.
1: Excellent, and and the I, I know you said you're going to pre-recorded, but will those be released on kind of the same schedule as the the recurring yeah. live was?
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely on Wednesdays, and we definitely want to keep Help for HD live on Wednesdays, seeing as how we just launched Help for HD TV, and those launch every Friday. So,
1: awesome. Now, the other uh, the other event that I want to chat with you about, and I know you have uh, a hype event coming up, and and you do those, mm-hmm. um, you know. Uh, periodically throughout the year, so uh, tell uh, our audience a, a little bit about how those came about, what the the focus is on them, and then you know specifically information about um, the upcoming event, which I, I know is you know because of because of the current times we're living in is is now virtual yes. and accessible from anywhere.
2: Yeah, yeah. So hype is hype is like one of my favorite programs at Health for HD. It's highly interactive participant education. That's what that stands for. And what we did is we we held our first symposium in 2014 and it was very science heavy. We had STERM come out. We had, it was, it was, we had great speakers, Irish Schultzen. We had, it was amazing, but it was incredibly science heavy. And and we realized a lot of science is hard, right? It's, it's, it's especially when you are lay, we don't, we don't know. Any, we're not scientists. So, but we also knew that there was, um, there is a need for help today that patients um, come looking for when they go to these conferences and I know because I went to my first conference coming looking for help and navigating my journey and um, the first one that I went to and so knowing that we decided okay let's make half of the half of the day Ran by the patients and caregivers, and a lot of topics that we deal with with Huntington's disease are very hard to talk about, especially with our loved ones sitting right next to us. Topics like depression, suicide, hypersexuality, gastro problems—these are not things that you want to raise your hand during a Q&A and say, "Hey, look, I have a problem with this," and then call your loved one out, or you you call—you know—calling yourself out. It's really sad, and I really take a huge stance on this, this. stigmas behind depression, suicide, um, hypersexuality, hyposexuality, it it really frustrates me, the stigmas, but they exist, so we have to be sensitive to that. So what we decided to do was de-identify all the questions, and that way no one's put on the spot, no one, and people feel comfortable asking. So during the hype day, um, we hand out clipboards, and the clipboard has um, just Lines to write a question, and um, some examples of questions on there that have been asked in the past make people start thinking about it. And then uh, they fold it in half, and we, Katrina Hamill and I, or Sharon Thomason or Vicky Owen, or whoever's there at that day, Stacy. We we go around, we collect them all, and then um, a panel of experts sit sit on on a panel with microphones, do not know what is going to be asked of them, um, and they get asked questions. They get asked very hard questions. And um, but it's been really. I think I've learned more at our hype days than I've ever learned anywhere else because questions have been asked that people normally won't ask, and the answers have been really. Sometimes the panel kind of looks at each other like, "Huh, let's really problem solve this." So each question takes a while because the the panel actually problem solved all together. One of my one of my questions that was really amazing to me that I was like, wow, I've never thought about that. Is is you know I have a, a child with JHD and I have a husband with HD advanced stage um, HD, and what if there's a fire in my house? What do I do? Because it's just me. Do I get off my child or do I get out my husband or what do I do? I mean that's that's a really hard question, right? Um, and so you know they they talked about different strategies and the the big thing was call the fire department, get work out a plan before it happens and um so questions like that have come up and there's always a lot of questions about sexuality um which we need to talk about more there's a lot of questions about gastro stuff a lot of genetic questions um that come up so moving into we were scheduled for three hype days this year um sacramento nebraska and um uh, michigan and we had to go virtual right off the bat because uh the week of our California hype was the week California shutdown. So we had to cancel everything last minute. We canceled on Wednesday. The event was happening Saturday. Um, so we went, we didn't go virtual right away. We waited till Michigan because we were hoping that we could t- do Sacramento again because that's when things were up in the air and we didn't realize how bad this pandemic was gonna uh, become. And so we did Michigan on May 2nd and it was really awesome. It We had, um, Terry Temkin, uh, Dr. Sam Frank, and uh, Lisa Mooney from Sacramento on there. And it was really cool. We got a ton of questions. The problem was we didn't, we didn't uh, give ourselves enough time, so we didn't get to all the questions that were submitted by the community. We had hundreds of people register. Of course, because now we're virtual, more people can attend, which is exciting. Um, that's one good thing that has come out of it. But we did notice that because we are virtual, we didn't want it to become kind of stale. To do three hypes um, and possibly get the same type of questions would become, we didn't want the community, we want to give the community something they need and something new, um, especially with everyone doing virtual conferencing now, it's it's kind of becoming a little bit uh, hard. So what we did is we decided to put an emphasis on each hype day from here on out. We only have two left. So July 11th, we'll be hosting, um, uh, the UC Davis team has Uh, agreed to come on with us, which is awesome, Uh, on July 11th, so they are gonna make up the Sacramento day that was canceled for us. So it'll be Dr. Vicki Wheelock, um, uh, Terry Tempkin will be on there, Mara, who is an amazing genetic counselor, Lisa, who is an amazing social worker. Um, So they're all coming on, and we will run HYPE a half an hour longer, and the focus will be on genetics. So anything about testing at risk, life planning, family planning, now having a virtual world, you know, what are we looking at genetic counseling? virtually. Um, You know, Mara is going to answer all those questions for us. What does testing look like now? Are we going to do virtual genetic counseling and swab in the mouth and send it off? What's going to happen now that our world's changing? And um, so a lot of, we've already have around 13 questions that have been submitted and we just opened the portal um, and they are really good questions. So we will be focusing a lot of that um, on July 11th. And then August 15th, we will be doing it again um, with Dr. Amy, Amy Hellum and, and a couple people that are coming on that one, um, Janelle Hogan, who's amazing, uh, and they will be focusing on caregiving. So that will be the focus for the August hype.
1: Awesome. So, where can people go to register for that?
2: So, you could just register. Um, July is already up on the website at www.helpforhd.org, and you could register right there on the site. And then um, And then as well as uh, when you register for that, if you want to submit an anonymous question, at the end of your reg, once you register, you're going to get a thank you note. And it'll have a link on there that you can go and submit your anonymous question. Um, So that's kind of how that works.
1: Well, excellent. Well, and and I highly encourage everybody to check out the website. If you can attend the event, if you're available, Um, by all means, absolutely sign up. Katie, this has been fantastic. I've really enjoyed having you on the the episode today.
2: Thank you for having us. And if anyone needs any support, please let us know. We are always open for any families that... have new ideas or anything you know we are families ourselves. please contact us we work together anything to support our community that is our number one goal until a cure is found until new therapies and treatments are found is support so we have our relief fund you know we've supported people through covid we've supported people through natural disasters we've sent you know we we've sent out thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars um, to support families we have tons of publications if you need awareness we have life interrupted one life interrupted two um we have, you know, books published, we have anything that you need that will help support your families. And like I said, if you have any ideas, please contact us. We are always open uh, for new ideas and um, anything to help our to help our uh, community, so.
1: Absolutely, and I, and I, you know, I just, I really have to, you know, end our conversation together by, by saying, you know, certainly it, the best of all worlds would have been, you know, uh, your husband didn't have HD, everything goes on as normal. But, you know, on the flip side, the HD community has really gotten a a strong, powerful, driven advocate that I think has made the world a a better place for everybody else that is going to have to deal and battle with the disease going forward. So, you know, thank you so much for your your commitment and your dedication and, and really making your husband's legacy something that um, will will live on for years and decades to come.
2: Oh, thank you so much, Kevin. That means, means a lot to me. And, and I just, and before we go, I just a huge shout out to, to help for HD team. I mean, these people work endless, you know, Vicki Owen and, and Katrina Hamill and Michael Sabato and, um, you know, uh, Terry Temkin, all of our people at help for HD, uh, running these programs, Sharon Thomason. I mean, they work they work with so much passion and so much love. And I'm very, very lucky to work daily with these um, amazing people that all have the same mission. So a huge, huge shout out to all of them because none of this would happen with, without um, them having to deal with, you know, me as being a crazy leader and sometimes bringing me back in line. <laughs> no, but they are they are a great team and, and um, I love all of them. So we are very lucky to all work together to make a difference, so.
1: Well, that does it for this episode of the HD Insights Podcast. Katie does such an amazing job sharing her experiences in a way that really resonates and motivates. And I hope you found that informative in a way that also motivates you to help make a difference in the lives of people impacted by Huntington disease. Katie mentioned a number of events and resources that Help for HD provides, so I just want to remind the audience of that website address again. It's www.helpforhd.org. That's www.help4hd.org. Until next time on the HD Insights Podcast, I'm Kevin Gregory. Thank you for spending time with us. Stay safe, be well, look out for each other, and we look forward to bringing you our next episode.
0: We hope you enjoyed this edition of the HD Insights Podcast. Remember to subscribe to this podcast to make sure you automatically get the latest episodes to your device. Please rate and review this podcast with your feedback so we can continue providing the best possible content. If you are interested in providing financial support for the work needed to produce this content, you can do so by becoming an ongoing sponsor or through a tax-deductible donation. To do so, please email us at info at hsglimited.org. That's I-N-F-O at hsglimited.org. Or by calling our toll-free number at 1-800-487-7671. Thank you for joining us on the HD Insights Podcast from the Huntington Study Group.